Good afternoon, audience. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to listen to this podcast. It will contain adult language, mature situations, covert agents with useful skills, overcomplicated heists, creative secret gadgets, double agents, the knocklist, and Ving Rames as a hacker. As always, should you or any of your SMR listeners be caught or killed, this podcaster will avow any knowledge of your actions. This file will self-destruct in five seconds. Listener discretion is advised. Spark in Motion Picture Review, episode 009, The List is in the Open. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spark in Motion Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? Hey, it's Greta. Yes, and I hope you guys are doing well. I'm excited because we're releasing another motion picture review, really earlier and quicker than we did last time. Well, not really, because last time it was the theme month, and then we took a break, and then we're doing all of the James Bond stuff, but in the grand scheme of things, we're back to normal with our releases for the motion picture reviews, and that's pretty cool. Uh, hope you guys are doing well, and I know I just babbled a bit, but we're getting on with it. So, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Sparking is some podcasts inventing reviews about connecting enhanced narratives. Now, what the hell does that mean? Well... Essentially, to break it down, what it means is that every episode, we talk about one or two different geeky properties, depending on the show you're listening to. Since this is the Spirekin Motion Picture Review, obviously, what are we talking about? Movies! We talk about the actors, the plot, the cinematography, the scenes. Some of the costumes. And if it's worth investing your time or not, or if you should stay away from it, like, all unholy hell. Like, say, no, it's gonna burn your eyes. But, you don't have to agree with anything that we say, but we try to be educational, exciting, entertaining, and most importantly, enlightening. And you can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spirekin.com. We are also on Instagram, Twitter, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and various other social media sites. Just type in S-P-I-R-A-K-N. I guarantee you'll find us one way or another. We are there somewhere. We've been doing this since 2008, so there is lots of episodes you can choose from. Our flagship, the Spark and Mong Review, has lots of interesting stuff, which we highly recommend you check out. But I am digressing. And speaking of which, someone actually emailed us about a very simple question. They said, hey, we're aware that you have a very unique rating system for your various podcasts. Now, what is the movie review rating system? Because we know the Mong Review, we know the game review, we know the anime review. But what is the movie, movie review, review or motion picture review? Well, I'm going to go very easy because we have... Essentially, five ratings. I know you say, oh, one through five, A through F, but we go through by phrases. And they're all very unique and different, and they explain and express our opinion about these various films. So, at the top of the list, we have our highest rating, which is really, really, really fucking cool. If you don't 
buy this right now, your blood will dry out, your brain will freeze, and your soul will be forfeit to the ninth layer of hell, where you'll be forced to watch episode one for all eternity, while Jar Jar Binks massages your soul, you're saying, Misa, I love you! Misa, I love you! Meanwhile, we insert something from the movie that you that horrible happens in it. That's If it's really amazing. These are, what are you doing? Buy this now. Stream it. Own it. Get it. Make sure you have a copy of it so when it is taken off of your streaming service, you will love this. How have you not watched it yet? Exactly. That's our highest rating. So our second highest rating, is, which is means it's worth your time and it's pretty good, but there's some issues, but the good outshines the bad, is you borrow from a friend and never return it unless offered, and we throw something in the movie, like, for example, in... Uh, let's go with a good one. Uh, Army of Darkness. You know, you borrow from a friend and... and Never return it unless you're offered gasoline for your chainsaw arm. Something like that. This, these movies are worth your time and they're really good, but there's some issues about it. Something's not entirely right. Maybe there's a scene which is really incoherent. Maybe the score is terrible. Maybe one actor is so bad you can't justify that it's a good movie. But you deal with it. Now, our middle of the ground rating, this is our kind of just, it's okay, is worth watching once in theaters or streaming or blu-ray this is it's okay it's not great you just watch it once that's it now if the movie is pretty terrible but there's one good element of it like a tiny thing that's good maybe your favorite actor is in it maybe there's one scene which is so awesome you have to watch it this is our second lowest rating which is you have it on the background while surfing the internet for porn or do something else this is only worth watching in the most bored of states. These movies are often just really just a waste of time, but there's just one little element out of it. A good example of this would be the movie Dragon Slayer, which is a weird old school sci-fi movie. Well, it's a fantasy movie that's kind of has a cool element about it, but it's a really rough movie to get through. There's a lot of stuff that's not great about it, so you just kind of... it's You have it on the background, you watch certain scenes, but then you just go back to do something else. Don't pay attention, it gets boring. And finally, our lowest rating. Protest outside your local red box so no one rents this reprehensible piece of shit. These movies should be avoided at all costs unless you want to torture somebody. And there are some which are so horrible, so bad. You just want to be like, get the hell away from me. And there are some that are really, really bad. Like, if you look at our review archive, they'll you'll see the ones that we talk about that are that bad. But these ones are angering. They're stressful, they're poorly done, they're just boring and strange and unusual and just, they anger you for reasons. So, that's our five ratings for the system. Now, with that in mind, now that you know the rating system, let's actually get to our review of the episode, shall we? Because, if you remember from the last episode, we rolled that one, that only... The dodecahedron of movies... And it dictated us that we be reviewing a movie that is pretty infamous or famous because it was directed by Brian De Palma, who is a pretty prolific director who's famous for doing a bunch of old movies that are very memorable. A lot of cult films like Scarface, The Untouchables, Carrie, the original one from 1976, not the remake, Carlito's Way, Femme Fatale. He does a lot of mob movies. And he's great with psychological suspense and crime thrillers. And there are a lot of mainstream stuff, but he is also someone who's known for being kind of violent and a lot of sexual content that's a little bit weird. Roger Ebert was a huge fan of this guy. 
I don't think he's done anything recently. I think the last movie he made was... Uh, actually, let's look. His last movie that he made was... Going to his movies... Was actually redacted. No, it wasn't redacted. It was Passion. A, a Franco-German erotic thriller. So, yeah. That's this guy. But he directed this movie, but it was produced by two people. You had Paula Wagner... And then a little unknown actor who's five foot seven, but in every movie he's in, he makes himself look like he's nine feet tall because he's standing on a box. Yep, he's standing on a box. And who are we talking about? Tom Cruise. Yes, and the little guy himself. No, yes, I'm, I'm kidding. He's not. Well, he is. And this is based. The movie is based off of a television series that ran from 1966 to 1973. It's a pretty good run. That's eight years or seven years. And this is got a great cast. It's got music by Danny Elfman. And let's actually go with some of the cast in this. So just naming a few of them. We have, uh, as a cameo, Emilio Estevez, the younger brother of Charlie Sheen and son of uh, Martin Sheen in this movie, doing a super bit cameo in the beginning of the movie, and he gets killed immediately. You have Jean Reno in this playing a, well... How would you describe Jean Reno in this movie? He's... He's a knife-wielding... Maniac? No, he's not a maniac. He's, he's not a maniac. He's a can-do guy. He's he, like, he greases the wheels. He, he gets stuff done. Yeah. He, you need something, he'll get it for you, but he, you can't trust him. No. You have Henry Sesney. Uh, in this role. And he, from him, I remember him from Clear and Present Danger, a movie with Harrison Ford as this corrupt politician. In this one, he's playing a... Is he a corrupt politician in this one? Um, He doesn't think he is. He's not corrupt. He's just an asshole bureaucrat who's like the guy in charge and trying to cover his ass. Right. He doesn't think he's the wrong... He's the good guy, but... For part of the movie, he's not a good guy to our hero. Yes, he's kind of like an, an antagonist, but he's not the villain. Yeah. He's, he's a threat. You have Vanessa Redgrave, famous Vanessa Redgrave, who has done lots of film, considered one of the greatest actresses of all time in this movie. And she does a good job in this movie as kind of a... Well, it's a kind of against type, because she's playing a manipulative, intelligent, and a little bit sexy or flirty... Uh, criminal mastermind. Yeah. And well, mind yes. you. You have Ving Rhames in this movie, and most people know Ving Rhames is just, everyone remembers him, Marcellus Wallace from Pulp Fiction. He is a guy that you would usually see as he is a mob boss, he's an enforcer, he's the guy that's going to kick your ass no matter what, or in one movie, he's just a really mean dad. In this movie, what is he playing? He's the tech guy. Which, that's like completely out of left field. It's like, he's the tech guy? Yeah. If they showed like pictures of him when he was younger, when he started out, he was like, he just gained weight because he was bored. He looks like what LL Cool J has modeled himself after. Yeah, like I would have liked to have seen like, a, like they have a picture of him when he's younger and he's like super, like he's thin and it's like, okay, because of the incident that occurred, you can't touch computers anymore. And that's, he said, I'm going to just jack myself up because I can't use computers anymore. And that's how he became Ving Rhames. That would have been cool. But they don't do that. They just, he's Ving Rhames. He's just a, a computer guy. 
And the computer he wants nowadays is super, just super, like, a cell phone is stronger than that thing. But that, for the day, that was a strong yeah. computer. Now, uh, surprisingly in this movie, you have Emmanuel Bert, a very famous French actress who's had over 60 credits since 1972. She's won numerous awards. And this one, she's kind of a good, uh, she's a femme fatale in this. She's beautiful. She played in a Bond movie, didn't she? I sadly she's not a Bond movie. Uh, she the it seems like this is the only film she's done that was mainstream. I feel for, like she would have been a for great... the Western audience for like non French audience, but she has a huge. She actually is in in a Three Musketeers movie, but but not the one I was thinking of. She's in D'Artagnan et les Trois Mousquetaires in two thousand five. So wow, she's a very acclaimed actress. And she's French very, actress. She's very pretty, and it's weird how she's playing it because she's and she's actually half Egyptian, half Lebanese, Jewish, Croatian, Greek, and Maltese. She's beautiful, and she does a really good job with this. Now, finally, at the end of this movie, we have John Voight playing a a character who was played in the original uh, franchise by a completely different actor. I think the actor died before they were able to shoot this. I'm not entirely sure. Um, who played? Peter Graves was the original actor who played this. And Peter Graves, if you don't know if you've ever watched Airplane, he's Captain Over. The guy who's like, hey, Jimmy, have you ever been in a Turkish prison? That was the, that was the original guy who played this character. And then you have John Voight, who is the father of Angelina Jolie. Jolie. And James Haven. So that's what he's famous for, which is kind of weird. It's like, I'm famous to be, you know, but whatever. And then finally, starring in this movie is the man who runs with his arms at his side like a fucking robot. The original leader of Scientology at this point in the modern age. And someone with a net worth of $570 million. <laughs> Talking about Thomas Malaporth IV, a.k.a. Tom Cruise! I did not know his last name was Malaporth, and he's the fourth. That's crazy. But yes, Tom Cruise, and the movie that we're talking about is... Mission Impossible! Yes, Mission Impossible. Bum, bum, bana, bum, bum, bana, bana. Kind of on a spy kick. Just a little bit, but this is what came up. Thank goodness in this week's uh, Dodecahedron list, we do not have spy movies on this one. Oh, we have one, but... So, this movie is a pseudo-continuation of... The Mission Impossible TV series, which deals with the Impossible Missions Force, a group that is designed to take missions and save the day doing various things. Each time, all the missions start off with their lead um, their lead guy getting a tape from IMF, which tells them what it does. The tape gets incinerated, and then our main character has to set up his team. They have, And that's like it's in every single episode, and it's in this movie. It's the dossier scene. Where you see every single guy and what their abilities are. So this is this guy. He has this ability. This guy. He has this ability. And in this one, the whole thing is that they are... It opens up where our main character, played by uh, John Voight, Jim Phelps, the original character from... Or the second main guy from Mission Impossible, has been tasked with stopping the theft of the CIA non-official cover list. The knock list. Now, what this list means is that... It is half of the list, which gives the secret identities of all of the members of the IMF. The villains have the other half, which has the names. 
So it's code names, real names. So this would be able to identify who's who. Yep. Pretty bad from, and it's they are getting it from the American Embassy in Prague. So they're all set to go. So Jim Phelps sets his team up. It's going to be great. And his point man is Ethan Hunt, played by Tom Cruise. And it's actually a really cool opening sequence. It's a whole setup. They're using their different spy gadgets. At one, one of the spy gadgets is a perfume that they spray on the guy and it kind of marks him so they know where he is. With the magic sunglasses, they can come... The cameras, they can continue to follow him. They have glasses that are cameras. They have watches that have video screens on them. They have all these different little things here and there. They have their tech guy on top of an elevator, and he's making sure that he's in control of who gets it in and out of the elevator. And they go in to sneak in. They set up so that they can get evidence that this guy stole the knockless, and they can get him. However, the mission goes horribly wrong. And all the members of the team, except for Ethan Hunt, are systematically killed in different ways. Horrific ways. Uh, One gets crushed by an elevator. One gets stabbed. One gets blown up. One gets shot. And it's pretty bad. Uh, And the list is stolen. the whole thing is the, the list can't get out in the open. Because they would put all of those undercover people in jeopardy. Their lives would be in peril. People would pay big bucks to find out who the secret agents are. So because of all this issue, uh, immediately Ethan Hunt goes to goes to payphone, calls the number they needs to make sure that it's um, secure using a cool device. He calls his the director of the IMF and says, "Listen, we got screwed over here. Uh, the mission's a failure. The list is in the open. We're in trouble. I'm in trouble. My team is dead." So his boss Kittredge says, "Fine, meet me at this location in Prague." And he called Langley. So He's like, so you're in Prague? Which is crazy. So he meets Kittredge. Kittredge uh, talks to him. He's like, look, here's all your paperwork so you can get out of here. Listen, come with me. We'll go back to Langley. We'll talk about this. And Ethan brings up the fact that there was a second IMF team there observing them. He's like, what's with the second team? Why were they here? And then Kittredge, after playing dumb for a while, Brings it up and says, yeah, there was a second team because we're trying to hunt out a mole. This is a setup. And we're looking for a mole in the IMF who's working with an arms dealer known as Max as part of job 314. And since Ethan is the only member surviving, obviously, who do they think is the mole? They think it's him. So he escapes and now he's on the run. He's no longer an IMF agent and he has to find out... Who is working for Max in on job 314, and who's the mole, and what is he going to do? So he, well, one, he finds out that one of the team members survived, and since this is 2000, uh, 1996, this is obviously past statute of limitations, so we are going to spoil like there's no tomorrow. Yes, we are. Well, not crazy, but enough. So... The, turns out that one of the members of the team survived, Claire, who is Jim Phelps, his wife. So Jim, everyone's dead. Jim is dead. Everybody's dead. But his wife survived the car bomb. And now he has to figure out what he's going to do. So they end up arranging a meeting with Max. Uh, and he tells him, her, because Max is a girl, not a boy. Which is the whole, which is a whole big deal for this movie because it's... And that doesn't really age as well. Like, clearly I, women can be 
bad guys too. Yeah, um, but they think it's a boy. It's a very androgynous name. It's like, yep, yeah, no one guesses it. Ah, uh, Max. You mean Maxine? She goes, yes. Being able to and move in anonymously is a very well trick, which is kind of cool statement. But it's the whole thing. But is, the whole thing is, he was set up to try to like flush out the mole. So to prove he's not the mole. He's got to find the real one. How does he do it? He does the nasty job and he, makes a deal with Max. And he tells Max that the the disc they have is fake and it's actually a tracking device for IMF to find you. They don't believe him, but eventually they do. And he says, listen, jo- Job, because it's Job 314, not uh, Job 314. But that's the whole thing. They thought it was Job. It's Job. But he says, listen, Job screwed you over. I want to meet Job. I'll help you out. I'll get you the real knocklist. And Max's like, all right, fine, but you have to get the real, the full knocklist, not just the European set. He's like, and she offers $10 million for the whole job. So, what what is Ethan and Claire going to do? Well, they need to get a team of their own, and they get disavowed IMF agents, so fired agents, who for various reasons were fired. So they get uh, a... Compu- they were asked to leave. Yes. That is a good point. But they get two people. You have Luther, played by Ring Vains, who's Ving Rames, who is the computer expert. And then you have pilot and get anything guy, Fran or Franz Krieger, who is kind of he's he's kind of polite in a Jean Renault way, but he's kind of like a more menacing Jean Renault. Like he's a ticking time bomb. He'll go off at any moment. Yes. Like it's supposed to be a non uh no fatalities, no kill count mission. He's the first one who's ready to kill people. So something's wrong there. But they end up infiltrating CIA headquarters in Langley and they go steal the list in a really cool scene, which most people have seen or seen parodied. It's a scene where the floor is pressurized. Uh, if the temperature goes up an inch, the alarm will go off. If a drop of water lands on the floor, it'll go off. If anything goes above a whisper, uh, the place shuts down. There's lasers involved, and it's kind of a very tense situation. But but they do it. They get it. They get it and take care of it. Uh, from there, it gets into the point you find out that Jim Phelps is still alive. That IMF is framing uh, Ethan's family for drug trafficking. Well, they're trying to flush him out, so they threaten his family. Yeah. And then it's, uh, Ethan has to figure out what happened. How is Jim still alive? What's going on? Who's the real mole? And then it leads to a big uh, action sequence on a TGV train, which is the train that goes through the channel from England to France. Super fast, too. Super fast. So it is a huge sequence with this where it's that he has to get revenge on Max. He's got to... You uncover all the bad guys... The massive twist. And it's got... It's a super awesome spy movie. And the movie is a very... For its time, it's a pretty good movie with some great set pieces in it. Now... The tech wouldn't hold up to today. No, the tech does not hold up to today at all. The music is alright. Music's okay. It's the basic... The... I think the music still holds up. Music holds up. The The acting is... Okay, it's top. I mean, it's an action movie, so yeah. But in some parts are a little unbelievable. But it is a action movie. It's a dumb action movie. 
let's be honest, it's a dumb action movie that was made for $80 million and made $457 million. So it's a critical success. People love it. It's, you know. And there's some really good set pieces of it, to it. I do love the scene when they're actually in Langley. How they get in, how they get out is ingenious. Uh, some of the interplay between the different members is very clever. There's an entire sequence that's done where um, Krieger and Hunt are talking about the discs. And it becomes kind of like a magic show because Tom Cruise is doing sleight of hand. And that's kind of a clever way to mess with it because... How do you put this? It'd be the Krieger is trying to upsell he, himself. He's trying to invite himself to the meeting. But this is Ethan's show. And he's trying to overstep the bounds and then trying to push himself around because he's a bad guy. And now we're starting to see that he's a bad guy. So when Ethan Hunt originally gets the disc, he hands it to him when the whole thing goes down. But, you know, he goes down with two discs. He comes back up with one. It's that shell game. You know, I'm going to put the nut under the shell, move the shell around. Guess where the shell is? And he does a little song and dance. He makes him... Ethan does a little song and dance. He makes him think that he doesn't have the real one. He didn't trust him. And flashed his hand like, yeah, no, I know you're a bad guy. Nice try, buddy. But turns out the whole time. The bad guy, uh, that, that Krieger had the disc the entire time and he threw it in the garbage. Now, that could have gone wrong so many different ways. If he smashed that disc, they'd be like, shit, they're screwed. But they don't. And it's a well done scene. And it's very telling on who you can trust, who you can't trust. It starts to give you the divide of, oh, okay, these guys are bad. And it's like most of the characters are, who can you trust, who don't you trust. And it's a very uh, great thriller film. The ending of the movie is just very, uh, it's very action heavy. Uh, there's a scene in the final climactic scene, which I despise. I'm not going to lie. I think it's just... I don't know. I think it's just the way that Tom Cruise talks an accident. Like he's overacting. Like he's gnawing at the scenery like a mouse gnawing through cardboard. Like type of like this is such bad acting. But the movie isn't bad. And also the way that uh, the villain is dispatched is well done, I think. Yeah, I thought the whole cat and mouse aspect of it is great. I think that it's a good movie it's just that that it doesn't nail it for me for me this movie is a uh it's a worth watching at least once out of our rating system it's worth watching at least once it's good and you can watch it once fine you can even watch it a second time or third time but it's just not uh it's not that and especially with all the other mission impossibles this one is not the strongest there are better ones in this franchise it's not the worst, but it's a it's it's a decent entry. It's a good it's a great starting point, but I think it's a classic, and it doesn't really hold up to date because of technology. Technology for the main point, but this the double agent, the who can you trust aspect, like the core part. That's great. Yeah, I I love it. I think it's a I'm going to say that it's a classic, and... So you're going to give it a... What, high, you're giving it a borrow from a friend, or you're giving it a really, really, really fucking good? I'm giving it borrow from a friend. Yeah. I think it's something you have to see. 
I think you you should see it if you're watching this franchise because it's a good franchise. Except for the second one, we don't. Well, we'll if we roll the second one, we'll talk about the second one about that one, which is, yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of those ones you just have to see. You have to see at least once. As a completionist, you should see it, but it's not a. It sets up the whole franchise. If you don't want to watch a television show, I think the third one sets up the franchise a little better. Because also you get uh, the introduction of um, of Simon Pegg in the third one. Oh, I don't know. I think you got to start with this one, the original. And also, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is such a better villain. Because this is more like, oh, it's the traitor in the group. And that's actually really compelling. And that's a great link. I just did not feel the villainous of this character. He just seemed like, I'm doing it for the money. That's his thing. It's not a... And we've been seeing a lot of different villains as of late. We've talked about the different ones in all the Bond films, and a villain is a big part of the film. And I do like that this villain has manipulated things. But well, without a villain, you can't really have a hero. You can't, but the problem with this is that the villain of this piece reveals his hand way too early. It's like, you know this is the bad guy, not, not at the climax, but you know about halfway through the movie, you know he's the bad guy. And they should have held on to that a little bit longer and that's where it goes down for me it's still a really good movie it's just that brings it down that stupid scene at the end brings it down but i do love the ending i do like this film that makes sense yes and if you disagree if you think this is the best film for a spy movie if you think it's great if you think it's better than most bond movies if you think this is a great overall espionage movie because this is a really good espionage movie um let me know. Email me, xanatspirekin.com. Or email us, at Spirekin. Oh, no, I'm getting the hiccups. No! Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I may have the hiccups, so we're going to keep it in that. But remember, email us, spirekin.com. Check out spirekin.com for all of the various other podcasts. And currently, the new one we have for this week is a new manga review. And we have a couple of Xan chats coming out. And in exactly seven days from now, or sorry, eight days from now, we're going to be releasing a new Bond episode where we talk about the movie with Grace Jones. Who, Yay! And with the greatest villain ever. Who is the greatest villain ever? Well, actually, is he the greatest villain ever? Oh, we'll talk about that in that episode. Yeah. Also, uh, we're trying to set up something with friend of the podcast, Doug, on maybe another Muppets episode. Where we'll talk about our favorite Muppets. Because there's so many good Muppets. You know? Like, who else is on there? There is, uh... Who are the Muppets that we have? That are not... But anyway, we're rambling on like lunatics. Aren't we? Or I'm rambling a little bit? Edit. I'm not gonna edit. I'm leaving this in. Because okay. it's kind of funny. Um, but yeah. I'm rambling a little bit. I apologize. Just, it's... I've been excited all day. I've been waiting to do this. And... I'm like kind of like one of those, you know, those dogs that you keep in the the car. He's waiting to get out. He's waiting to get out. He's waiting to get out. Then now I'm like, ball, yay! Right? Yes. That's how I am right now. So with that in mind, let's actually get to the part which I'm so excited for, the best part of this episode. That part you've all been waiting for. It's time for that one, that only. The Dodecahedron of movies. Movies. Yes. The Dodecahedron of Movies, our gimmick, which we use for this episode, which is very similar to the Wheel of Manga, but not the same. The Dodecahedron is a 12-sided object, specifically a foam dice that's the size of my hand. And what we've done is we've assigned nine 
movies to this 12-sided object. And when we roll it, whatever number it lands on, if it's one of the nine movies, it will be one of the nine movies. Ta-da! However, as I said, how many sides are on this object? Ten. Twelve. Yes, twelve. So, and there are nine movies, so how many other sides are there? Three. So, if it lands on ten, what that means is that it is... Greta's choice. She gets to choose the next movie from our list. If it lands on 11, it is roll again. And if it lands on a 12, it is my choice. And today, we have some great titles on here, including a film about uh, being in a big family and maybe uh, dealing with nuptials, and how insane that is, especially if you're marrying someone who your family may not be Super excited about? Yes. A film about uh, finding romance in a very nonverbal kind of way. And, you know, living alone. Dealing with isolation and finding romance. Uh, We got a movie about... A movie starring man who runs with his arms by his side, but he's more villain. We have a movie about being married and trying to kill each other, literally. Uh, We got a movie about inheritance... We've got a movie which I actually have never seen, but everyone loves, and I kind of have not wanted to see it, but I will watch it for this. Just the question is which version of this movie we'll watch. Probably the extended 50 billion hour one, but whatever. And then last but not least, we watch a movie which is based on a book that was written in 1893. So roll and see what we're going to review in the next episode. Nine! Wow, I really actually didn't expect that. I was expecting some of the other ones. Part of me wants to say a re-roll, but that is not the case. I'm not going to do that. So, in the next episode, I'm going to be... Well, we're going to be reviewing a movie that I have never seen before, or kind of refused to watch for various reasons. And a lot of people are going to think I'm crazy for not having watched it, but I guess we're going to watch it. It's a movie which is manly and violent, and takes place in probably... I don't even know what era this stupid movie takes place in, but it's a Roman Empire. And it's starring, uh, what the hell is his name? Um, hold on. It is starting uh, Russell Crowe. And it takes place in Rome and technically is a historical documentary. Gladiator. Yes, The Gladiator. I actually have never seen this movie before. I haven't either. Yes, so reading about Maximus Decimus Meridius. Yay, right? Also, this is going to be kind of cool because the villain is Joaquin Phoenix. And we just saw him as a villain in another movie. But this one, he's more of a power-hungry villain as opposed to the embittered... Well, how did we describe him last time? Oh, like the psycho? Yeah. Well, so I guess, well, maybe we'll find out in the next episode if we like it or not. Probably we will, and I'll be like, why haven't I watched this movie since then? Or I may hate this movie. I don't know. We're going to see. You know, I've never watched 3000 either. 3000 is a... 3000 is an acquired taste. I like it, but it's an acquired taste. Well, we're going to see. We're going to watch Gladiator. Gladiator is a very different movie. It's not about the three 300 Spartans versus the... um the hell is... Just... Versus the one army. So, with that in mind, I guess that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. Be excited for more episodes coming out soon. Oh no, like a dog who's been running around around a 
around the uh, yard for a while chasing a ball. I'm now getting that. I'm getting sleepy. I'm getting sleepy. So, that in mind. I'm Greta. My favorite line is... Excuse me, Mr. Hunt. Would you like to watch a movie? Oh. uh, No, thank you. Would you consider the cinema of the Caribbean? Aruba, perhaps. And this is your host, Zen, for the Spire Commotion Picture Review and my favorite line from 1996's Mission Impossible by Brian De Palma starring Tom Cruise is going to be... Relax, Luther. It's much worse than you think. The terminal is in a black vault lockdown. The only person allowed in the room has to pass through a series of security checks. William Donlow. The first is a voice print identification and a six-digit access code. This only gets him into the outer room. Next, he has to pass a retinal scan. And finally, the intrusion countermeasures are only deactivated by a double electronic key card, which we won't have. Now, inside the black vault, there are three systems operating whenever the technician is out of the room. The first is sound sensitive. Anything above a whisper sets it off. The second system detects any increase in temperature. Even the body heat of an unauthorized person in the room will trigger it if the temperature rises just a single degree. Now that temperature is controlled by the air conditioning coming in through an overhead duct 30 feet above the floor. That vent is guarded by a laser net. The third system is on the floor and is pressure sensitive. The slightest increase in weight will trigger the alarm. And any one of these systems, if set off, will activate an automatic lockdown. Now, believe me when I tell you, gentlemen, all three systems are state-of-the-art. So with that in mind, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoy. Keep watching movies. And we're Gonsville. Catch you next time, and this podcast episode will self-destruct in three, two, one.
Good morning, Mr. Phelps. This is your mission, should you choose to accept it. Should you or any member of your IM force be caught or killed, the Secretary will disavow all knowledge of your actions. Ethan Hunt will be your point man, as usual. Good luck, Jim. Simple game. Is he serious? Always. It's much worse than you think. We're being ambushed. Abort, that's an order. They knew, they knew we were coming. Do you read me? I don't care how he did it. I want to know why he did it. You're worried about me. Why you survived. I'm sure we can find something I have that you need. No one said me. These guys are trained to be ghosts. Let's not waste time chasing after him. Just make him come to us. Find something that's personally important to him and you squeeze. seen me very upset. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. No, Claire was wrong about it. One thing, Jim. Oh? What's that? Phelps. <laughs>